When I was younger, I had dreamed about my dad getting shot before he actually got shot. And I thought there was something wrong with me as a kid and it freaked me out. And I thought maybe I was thinking bad things about him and that's what, what happened. Um, and it freaked me out and then it ended up happening and I, it made me even more scared. And then afterwards, um, I think God just kind of like, like pacified me. He's like, it wasn't your fault. It's okay. And trying to get me out of that mindset, but also being aware that, um, he does show me things that are very vivid, even if they're not exact, like in that specific instance with my dad. But when I do dream that I should pay attention to it because my consciousness isn't one to just um, randomly think about <laughs> stuff like that. Do you yeah. think spiritual gifts are genetic? I think so. Um, depending on like um, lineage and all that other stuff, I feel like there are things that can be passed down. Um, maybe in a different way and it's probably not as strong or it shows itself and manifests differently. But um, within my mom being a prophet, I do feel like I have that gift as well, but not the same way that she does. I The only reason I ask is because I feel like my dad has a gift of discernment and although he doesn't necessarily know how to wield that gift all the time, it's very obvious that he has a spiritual gift of discernment, even if he doesn't necessarily want it or know. I think he knows he has it, but um, I haven't heard him talk about it or use it um, blatantly. But I, I've heard you talk about your mom having the spiritual gift of uh, prophecy. And um, I only recently got into learning, being more open to learning about spiritual gifts and like the realities behind them, because I was introduced to witchcraft and how real that is. So I was like, well, if, if the law of affirmation is real, if manifestation of anything other than the presence of Jesus Christ is real, then how, how many of all these other things, like any form of manipulation can get, can get the job done, can achieve your goal of whatever you're doing. But like law of law of attraction, manifestation, that kind of thing is witchcraft. It is a, it is a mainstream accepted version of witchcraft. Nobody's, nobody's looking at like the deeper, less, um, I don't want to say less aesthetic type of version of witchcraft, but like people get into witchcraft because they're afraid and they want more power in their life. And then they do these things and it works for them. So then they assume that you know, taking advantage of the new moon is going to do something for them. And it usually does, but that's because you're conjuring up spirits that are demons, demonic spirits, and they work. It does work. So when I realized all that other stuff, I was like, okay, this stuff is real. I never really wanted to accept that it was real. I thought it was just people tinkering around with like, you know, whatever, but it does work. It is real. And so if that's the case, then how much more real is the spiritual gifts of discernment, how much more real is prophecy, how much more real is speaking in tongues. And that's, a, that's something that I'm not even fully, I don't understand. And I don't, there was one time when I was at church camp and I think I was 13 and I spoke in tongues and I just like, I think I overthink everything. So I think God like tried to give that to me and I overthought it. And he was like, all right, you can't handle it right now. Um, but like when he gives me that understanding, I'm sure I will be able to get back into it like maybe not riding a bike is the correct phrase but like 
I know it's real. I know it exists. I've seen other people do it and I've seen other people interpret other person, other people's delivery of other tongues in church. Like you grow up in a Pentecostal church and you see just about everything, <laughs> but like what in my adulthood seeing witchcraft in a business weaved into a business and the business thriving, how much more powerful would be like, spiritual gifts used to the wisdom and the glorification of God, right? Yeah. And I feel like the difference is that they don't realize that when it comes to the witchcraft and things that they're doing, there is a price that they have to pay, a price that they are not willing to pay, whether it's a good or bad price. It's like, it's that give and take. There's always going to be a give and take in the spiritual realm with God. He wants to take away our flesh so he can give us more of his spirit and give us more of who he is. And so we have to sacrifice who we want to be and what we want for what he wants for us in his kingdom. And in the worldly sense, it's literally sometimes people get sick and they don't know why they're sick. It's because you're practicing these things and it's drawing from your energy and you're not paying attention to it. You're just getting all this power and all this wealth and all this fame and all this love, but it's literally taking away your life source. And people don't want to acknowledge that part of it as well. So with me, I always struggled with understanding um, the being a Christian and then all this witchcraft and everything like that. And I would be afraid of it. And then I realized I don't have to be because my gifts are different because of who I'm pulling from. And I know that God will never give me more than I can bear and that he doesn't do things to hurt me. It's out of love. So literally that's a uni- that's a universal law of um for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction to where like you can choose your power source and you have the freedom to choose your your power source and choose your master but once you choose your master that's it like it's over you you can't serve anything else and some masters will let you serve two masters i feel like some will think it's like some masters that aren't God think it's grace by letting you serve another master too. But then you're just, you're just a slave to two masters at that point. It's not like more freedom. And I feel like people forget that. Like it, you can see that in practical things like working out when you're working out your body, when you want to be healthier, you have to give up unhealthy habits. And it's, it's the same in anything you do practically, spiritually, emotionally, when you want something better, you have to give up something, but it, it's your definition of good that really makes the difference. And I've been kind of noticing that where it just depends on how you define things is how your brain works and what you do, but it is all under the same structure of like you, you are always serving. If you're a human, you're serving a master of some kind, whether it's your paycheck, whether it's your family, whether it's your God, whatever God you choose, that could be your friends, your, your, what other people think of you, that could be something that you're serving, but no matter what, you always have to give something up. But yeah, it's been uh, so interesting knowing what I know now and um, experiencing again, these witches at work and like what they have to say to me. And it's like, I, I feel like God shows me these things and he doesn't necessarily want me to pull away from them, but like I've been praying for them because I know whenever I acknowledge God, they're, they're like, they're apprehensive about it, but not in a bad way. They're just like, they give me the space to understand that that's what I choose to believe in. But like, I'm like, but no, like this is the truth. And I try to balance out um, explaining that to them and not like kind of shoving it down their throats. Cause even my coworker the other day, she was like, 
oh yeah, don't say, oh, so I keep tripping up the stairs at work and I was like, one of these days I'm probably going to fall and I'm going to hurt myself. It's just like, don't say that. The universe is listening. And I'm like, yeah, but like I got Jesus to protect me from, I've literally had moments where like I should have fallen and hurt myself really bad. But like, for some reason it was like, I was like falling in slow motion and I just landed. <laughs> I was just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Cause it would have been so bad otherwise. So for her to say something like that and acknowledge the universe, but I'm like, yeah, things happen. Life happens. You're right. But also there's a God above all of that, like beyond that, that is orchestrating and making sure that everything works together for the good of his people. So. And that's just it. Like Jesus, Jesus is like right in the middle, right in the nuance of everything. That's like, you can find, you can learn all the systems of the world and have all the knowledge and learn how the world works and see that that is, there's a, there's a consequence to every action. And okay. I know how the world works. I know how the, the universe is structured. I can take advantage of that. I know the spirit. I know the way that the spiritual kingdom is structured. I work in it, but, and, and I work for demons and that, that is okay. Like it works for me and you know what? Good for you. But here's the thing. When I have Jesus, I start to fall. He doesn't let me spiritually, physically, emotionally, uh, otherwise. So like, yes, you're right. The universe is structured that way, but I don't play by the same rules. Like you're playing by the same rules and you're making yourself seem like you're smarter because you know more of the rules, but I don't even need to know the rules because I live outside. It's like when you're treading water, you're living in, in a world full of systems and structure that is built to for your demise at the end of the day. But when you're quote unquote walking on water, when you have a relationship with Jesus, that's why they call it walking on water because you're no longer treading. You're not even, a, you're, you don't even live by the same rules of physics anymore, but you're still a human. So you do to a certain degree, but like you don't have to worry about saying things against yourself because the universe is listening. I believe to a certain degree that's true, but it depends on who you worship for who, who you are talking to. So like, I don't worship the universe. Therefore I do not talk to it. I worship the creator of the universe. Therefore I don't need to follow the laws of the universe. The ones that apply to me are just going to apply to me. And when I die, I'm going to die. And I don't have to worry about anything in between period. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like when it comes to like witchcraft and voodoo and all of that stuff, like, yeah, there's energy and there's power that you are, um, using but the thing is I feel like it's just like a circulation of energy and power and that's why it only lasts for so long that's why there's all these sacrifices and and horrible things that you have to do um like sacrifices of humans and and horrible things you have to do for it um but when you talk about like things that we do through the gifts that God has given us and the power that God has given us that's a unending source that has nothing to do with that circle of power that circulates this world So when I do something, it's long lasting because my father spoke it into existence and it just was, period. So what are you working on now that your father's speaking into existence? Okay, so I watched this movie on Netflix and it was basically about this guy from a small town in Ohio where we're all from. And um, his family was just, 
messed up. And this dude was in Yale and he was like about to have a big um, interview the next day for like a summer job. He had this really great girlfriend and his mom um, overdoses. And it was a true story too. It's called hillbilly um, allergy. I don't know if I said that word right. Um, But yeah, so his mom overdosed. And so he goes in town this day in between like all this time that he's doing these interviews, he goes back in town 10 hours away and He's like basically like reminiscing on all his like family um, situations and just how his family got to where it was. And then deciding in his head, is he going to spend his life like basically um, enabling his mom or is he going to like live this new life that he clearly sometimes feels guilty about because they they treat him like, oh, like big shot, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like have this girlfriend and all these different things. Cause even like the girlfriend wanted to help him. And he was like, my mom's not sick. Like she's not, she's not like she, she overdosed. Like it's different. Like you don't know about this type of life or whatever. Um, and in the, in the end of the movie, he chose himself and he chose his betterment and to be better for his family, not just to be like F them or whatever. Um, and then it just made me think about like myself, not that my family is anywhere near that, but just the the thought process of like, there was this one scene where um, his mom, like her boyfriend, who's also on drugs, kicks her out when she gets out of the hospital and he's calling her all these different names. So he gets upset, the son, and wants to go fight him. Well, on the other side of the door, dude has a knife in his hand as he's like trying to break through the door. And it just so happens that a woman comes out with her kids and she's like, I have kids here. What are you doing? And stops him. And I just thought like, God, if this was a real movie and it's a real life story, so it probably really was God, but like that would have been you stopping him from going in that room. And why like and then that's what reminded me of myself because clearly god had a plan for him to get out of that town and to do better for himself to not get stabbed that night you know and it just reminded me of me and i feel like god has like pulled me not even out of the town but just out of mindsets and out of like certain like um cultural things that like he never wanted for me for his like bigger plan and it was just making me think about that and i was just like God, I just want to be good. Like, I just want to be better. And that's something that I realize I pray a lot that God would make me good. And so last night when I was saying it, I feel like God was like, what do you mean by good? Like, what is your definition of good? Because we are sinful. And that's just by nature, we are sinful, evil humans. And so there's only so far you can go with good. And I'm like, well, I want to be holy. Well, I already made you holy. So I don't know. I was just having this whole like conversation with God about like me desperately wanting to be good. And it just came down to like, I want to be like, I know I am holy, but I want to, I feel like I, we fall short of God period. And because I know I fall short, I'm just constantly wanting to do better. And I just feel like I see people around me who are like just innately nice and friendly and think of other people and pray for other people. And for me, I've learned to like pray for you in the moment that I say I'm going to pray for you because I might forget from that moment forward. So at least I prayed one time and like, I don't always like just think about other people or just like see, like, I, I don't know. I've grown to where now when I'm like, when someone's in front of me, I'm like, how can I? Um, engage with this person? How can I show this person my love? But it's 
it's not as natural for me to go out of my way to do it. And it's something that I want to do. And I feel like even that desire is God like pushing through things in my heart. Um, But then this morning I woke up and I was just thinking about like things I've done in the past, who I've been in the past and being like, man, I couldn't even do some of those things anymore. And not even because it's like, like, oh, I won't do that because that's bad. But like, no, like I don't have the the balls or the confidence to do the things that I did before. I would be terrified <laughs> to do some of that stuff. And just pra- praising God for that shift in mindset too and being like, okay, God, clearly you're working. And I don't see it in the midst of it, but I can trust that like, I don't have to like condemn myself for not being at the standards that I feel like I want to be at now, even though those standards are to be closer to you and to glorify you more. So, yeah, I resonate with that heavily. And I think you already know that, but um, there has been something very freeing recently in me seeing the difference in identifying as a wicked person instead of a good person. And um Actually, I got the idea from um, Jackie Hill Perry, which is like, she's just, she's a writer. And when she, when I, I feel like words are the currency that God uses. And I'm very particular about what words I listen to. But when I hear words that I'm like, I know, I know this is something that will free me. I really let it internalize into me and something that she said it wasn't even the point of what she was saying. I don't even remember what she was saying, but she said something like, I am a wicked person. We are wicked people. And, and it just something like clicked in my head where like, I've heard so many people like, I am a good person. I give to the poor. I am a good person. I'm like, girl, ain't nobody good except for God. We can talk about goodness all day long, but if you, like the only goodness you have is from God, whether you want to acknowledge that or not, like deep down, I am free because I acknowledge, I see the wickedness in myself and the problem with not having the mind of Christ, but also seeing the wickedness in yourself is that you go into a deep self-deprecating depression. So like there's a balance there. I, I don't want you to see yourself as wicked, but if you don't have the mind of Christ, I don't want you to just see your wickedness because you also are an image bearer. You're a wicked image bearer. And I don't know how to balance those two, but um, I'm trying my best. But we talk about the goodness of God all the time. Like you grow up in church and say, God is good all the time. Like that's that's just something that we do. (laughs) But I don't, we, t- we talk about the goodness of God, but no one acknowledges that that is only something that is, is God's like, we don't even understand what goodness is because our definition of goodness is giving to the poor, which is a good thing to do. I'm not discrediting it, but I'm saying like, you're not a good person. You're a wicked person, but you also are an image bearer of the God that created you. And therein lies the problem. And therein lies why we need Jesus in the first place, where he like where he fits into your life is knowing that you're wicked and knowing that you have the image of God and knowing that you cannot reconcile those two, no matter how hard you try. And I have tried very hard and my willpower has failed me every single time. So now I'm trying to just 
live in the freedom of knowing two things about my identity. One, I am wicked. Like I'm going to be doing bad things. I'm going to be saying things that rub people the wrong way for the rest of my life because it's just, that's the wicked part of me, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of wicked parts of me, but there's also the part of me that bears the image of God. So um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna abide in the gospel of Jesus Christ to reconcile the two. And hopefully doing that will keep me from feeling like, I don't know, feeling lost in my own imbalances, I guess. That's why it is a daily walk because like, it's not something that you're just gonna like snap into your head and just know and just innately be able to like do all of these good things like one we need to read our bible and figure out what good things are in the first place because our beliefs knock us on our bottom and like they they just aren't like what we believe is good isn't really always good and so I mean look at the world today (laughs) but I'm not even going into detail don't even need to um but yeah, it's a daily walk and a daily like getting closer to God. And like I when I look back on the things that I'm like, wow, and it's and some of them aren't even like horrible things, but like whatever it is, when I look back and I'm like, I couldn't even do that now. I don't have a desire to do it. And like I wouldn't even be bold enough to do that now. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over like time and time again of me having that mindset of God, I want to please you, God, I want to glorify you with who I am and what's my thoughts and what's in my heart and all of that. And over time you see like, oh, I've gone at least farther than what I was. And I have so much farther to go. It's a daily thing that you have to actively think about. And it's like the Bible, particular for me, like Paul's letters, like really help you to like actually know what that looks like. Cause Paul will be like, this is how the world is living. Don't live like that. But he's not like, all right, the end. He's like, this is how the world's living. Don't live like that. Therefore, live like this. And then it gives you practical things. And for me, I take those practical things and I'm like, therefore, live like this. Okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and that. Just like Paul said. And then you forget about half of it. And then when you remember again, you just feel so bad. But then it's like, it's that process of like slowly, because certain things tend to, after a while, after a while, they do become just like nature, second nature to you, but they all can't become second nature in the very first day that you ever hear about it. You're changing who you are. So yeah, that's why it's a daily, it's a daily walk. You know, what's kind of very interesting to me is that, um, according to scientific research, your body, like the molecular structure of your body is completely new and renewed every seven years. And that is, an objective scientific research. And, and when I think about certain things, like numbers, say, numbers mean things to me sometimes. And like, I don't read into everything, but when you're sci- it's scientifically proven that your body, your body's molecular structure is completely different and renewed every seven years, you are literally an entirely new person. And I feel like that is almost like, that's God's timeline. Like he, he's not like, boom, you know, everything. It's like you learn something and it grows like a seed and it takes like seven years to fully mature and develop. And maybe not that magic number, but it takes literally years. And I know I have fallen short of wanting, like learning something. And, but also that's another scientifically backed research 
thing of cognitive um, cognitive bias, I think it is, where it's like um, a curve where you learn something new and you think you're an expert and it's just your psychology. So where you learn something new, you think you're an expert and then it completely dips and you're like, I don't know anything. And then it slowly curves back up. And once you actually like put it into practice, do it every day. And then eventually like you really are an expert. And by the time you're an expert, a a true expert, you don't consider yourself an expert. You just consider yourself like it's second nature. Like this is just who I am. I'm not an expert. It's just who I am now. And I feel like that's the same journey that you go through whenever you meet, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, meet Jesus. Like, I think I'm an expert. Jesus heals everything. Jesus does everything. Like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that is the truth. But to people who don't understand Jesus, they're like, okay, like, I I don't, I don't get it. But like, so in the beginning, you're like, I know Jesus, and I know everything. And that kind of is true. Like, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are covered, you're saved, like, you have met your Savior, ta-da, you can die now. Not, not really, but like, (laughs) like, it's, it feels like the same thing as like cognitive bias, where you meet Jesus, and you're like, Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the answer. And anybody who asks you how your life was turned around, you're like, Jesus, that's it, that's the answer. And then they're like, okay, you're crazy you really really crazy and then you actually have like start working on like practicing what you read and feeling it for yourself and experiencing it for yourself and then you're like okay like yes I am saved but there's so much more practical knowledge that goes into that and sharing that kind of gospel and just the way that you carry yourself and then eventually once that line starts that you starts going back up and you really are maybe like uh, a tenured Christian so to speak like and you're going to you're going to college and you're a tenured Christian by even wanting higher education in your faith. Like that puts you at a different level than people who were just introduced to God in prison. Like they don't even have the opportunity to go to a higher education, but they met Jesus. They were baptized in prison and now their life has turned around and they might not know anything but the name of Jesus. And that's all you need to know. But then you take some time and actually like become someone who can share that at a practical level with other people without sounding like a crazy person and like waving a banner saying the world is ending. That's pretty easy to do, especially right now. (laughs) Yeah, my thought process as you were saying that, I also like to kind of piggyback on um, how Ant was describing it. I also feel like there are times where like, well, ask God, like God, change me. God, do this. God, do that. I need this from you. I need wisdom. I need strength. And he's like, okay. And then like, he gives it to us, but we're going through the process and we don't even realize that he's already given it to us. And even um, thinking about like who I was before, I remember um, when we went to that um, party, that Halloween party, and like they were talking about me and they had to remind me of like some terrible things that I had done while I was drunk. And I'm just like, that was the first time I've ever felt ashamed for what I'd done because I was always the type of person who's like, I said what I said and I meant it and I have no regrets, like no shame. And for the first time, it's like, I thought like, no, I am a new person. Like I'm different. I don't even think like that anymore. And for me to like unabashedly hurt somebody else and not care, like me growing from that type of person, I was just in awe of that. And it's like, I remember asking God to change me and grow me and show me what love is. And I didn't even realize until conversations like that, that he's done it. Like we've already gotten the knowledge we need. We just have to go through the refining process and realize we've actually been through those steps. And 
It also reminds me, like, I can't just jump to Jay when I really want to. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though? You say a prayer and ask for something, and then you don't even know you have the prayer answered until it's already answered. I think that, you know what? People talk about the goodness of God. Who talks about the coolness of God? Can we talk about how cool God is for a second? Okay, listen. He's the one. Okay, if you talk about the most amazing sports encounter, like uh, a game that you've never forgotten, you were down at the very end, and then somebody came in with an amazing Hail Mary play and won the game, and the crowd goes wild. Let's call it That's literally... That's Let's called call what? It CrossFit. I've been watching a whole bunch of CrossFit. <laughs> okay, God is the the God of coming in at the very last second and winning the game. That's all I'm saying. Like, like you you get excited because someone passed a ball over an arbitrary line and won a couple arbitrary points over an arbitrary team. This God that created the universe. It's coming in and he saves people at the very last second, or you ask him for something and he gives it to you and you don't even know you have it until you have it. Like, he's not going to be like, okay, I'll give it to you, but you got to do this. That's how I treat my dog. That's, (laughs) that's not how, that's not how God treats humans. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Bible even talks about like, if a evil person, like, if your kid asks you for something, are you going to give them like, I don't know what exactly he said, but are you going to give them a snake or something like horrible in place of it? No, even you are going to give it to them. So why like, wouldn't God do that then? If he could give his child something, why would he choose to not give it to them? But I also am aware that sometimes we'll be like, God, I really, really want this. And then he gives it to us and we're aware that he's given it to us. And it's like, God, but I didn't ask for it like that. <laughs> and that's real too. Like it happens. That's because you got to be careful what you ask for. Because whether you're asking the universe or you're asking the God who created the universe, you're probably going to get it in a way that you didn't necessarily intend. So there are, there are like, that's why like there's, there's power and of what is it? Life and death in the tongue where like, I, that's what, that's what people who practice witchcraft acknowledge. Like I'm going to speak a cantation over you and you're going to get cancer. And that's a real thing. Like people don't want to admit that, that that's real. People do that. And not to say that you get cancer because of witchcraft, that's going to make me sound like a crazy person. That is not the case. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that these, these words can be spoken over someone and a result happened to that person. And that is a very real thing. So like the, the power of life and death in the tongue means that you got to be real careful the way you ask for things because words have loopholes in them and people can take advantage of those things. Also for me, I'm very careful about who prays over me. I could be in a church. There's, there's witchcraft in the church. I don't care who you are. I don't care where we are. Like, don't lay your hands on me and don't speak over me. If I don't, if I don't know that you're a Jesus believing fully, fully like, surrender to the God of the universe. Do not speak. Do not speak over me. Do not lay your hands on me. Don't touch me. And that might make me seem like a combative Christian or, or whatever, but you know what? I, I will listen. I won't, I won't lay hands 
unless it's to pray for you. And I won't pray on you. I will pray for you. But if you want to come and pray on me, I will lay a different set of hands on you. And it will be through words. Like you can throw hands <laughs> through words and I will do it. So don't, don't come at me unless you're coming at me correct or through Christ, because we will have, we will have an interaction and it's, it's up to you how it ends. That's all. I, that's all I got to say. Try Jesus. Don't try me. Because <laughs> I <throw> <laughs> It's true. And I feel like if more if more people in the church were willing to to be like that, there wouldn't be as much witchcraft in the church. Like I miss the grandmas who will stand up and speak a spirit out of someone like where are those people at? I need those people. She 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 be laying low, but that's that's my grandma. She <laughs> real quick. Bring your grandma on the podcast. Legit, there are moments where it's like my mom told me that like each person that my mom was with, my grandma would be like, that's not your husband. And of course, my mom being who she was, she's going to do what she wants anyway. Because, you know, us, us women, we uh, we got our own mindsets and we do what we want to, even if it's clearly not the right answer. We're just so hard headed. And now, again, that... uh every action equal equal and opposite reaction you just kind of bear the consequences of your actions that you take good or bad and uh, my mama learned and uh, I've learned I've learned that lesson the hard way Uh, at least at least he at least the hard way wasn't marrying him that's so true and then also like back on the topic of like be careful what you pray for so like I prayed for like a relationship I haven't had and uh, Jesus told me I bet y'all just gonna be friends for a while like, but that's that's not what I meant when I said that and I asked for it so uh I, I feel like he's just getting me prepared to change my mindset to be open to it because it's like yeah inevitably if this man does not want me the way I want him there's nothing I could do about that I could choose to like probably be with other people and do all this other stuff but I also know that that's not worth it and I'll be exhausted and even more upset at myself so might as well just be friends Hey, it makes it easier if you know that ahead of time, though, like, because you can really ruin a relationship by introducing sex into it too early and like something that could have grown into something really amazing. If somebody doesn't have the courage to say, no, let's wait. I mean, it wasn't me. I wasn't that person. But I should have been. I should have been. God saved me from myself. Okay. So I will say that uh, I'm a wicked person and God saved me from myself. Okay. Um, but he, <laughs> and he also taught me a lesson through being like that too. So um, I think you just know, having that knowledge ahead of time is to me seems like a form of grace. But I feel like God has given me some sort of peace when it comes to like the the relationship I will have with my husband because I truly feel like um I'm either gonna meet him like here at school and not like oh I'll meet him this school year or anything like that but I'll like meet him here at school and he'll also be like training to be a missionary or I'm gonna like end up overseas 
um, not even on like my internship in school, but maybe even when I'm done with school and I find like where I'm going to be in the end and I meet him there. But it's not likely that like, if God brings him another way, he brings him another way. I'm not putting any borders on it, but I just feel like it's not likely that I'll just like meet him just here in this world because of all the things that like comes with being a missionary, you know, they have to like understand that. That is just the way that family was meant in a way. It feels like the way that the, the purest form of a family of like you both are straight up missionaries. You both consider like identify as missionaries. You go to different countries, different cultures you're not used to and raise up children in those cultures with those values away from mainstream culture that's telling them that all that is a waste of time. That's like the purest form of understanding of the world, in my opinion, of having a close family that serves God, loves God, loves other people, and isn't bound by the culture that they're from. Yeah, I definitely think that that structure that you were talking about is how he intends it. And I feel like it emulates itself in a lot of different ways. I know for me, like, I don't necessarily want to be a missionary, but I do want to marry into another culture because I want us to be a living example of what that looks like, that there's unity and there's love and God is the center of it all. And he wants us to connect with like every nation and every tongue will bow down and praise him. And that like, I want to emulate that within my own family. Um, And I know a lot of people probably think it's like very odd of me or ridiculous of me or that I don't necessarily acknowledge my own culture in the process like why would you want to be outside of your culture to find someone um and how do you pass on that legacy when you're not staying within your own culture and it's like well you can still teach and learn that's what we do in a cultural communication you can't just be exposed to your own culture because then you won't know how to understand other people and I know that's not how God wants it specifically with Jesus and where he traveled and where the disciples went like they went all over and I feel like even though I'm not necessarily called to like implant myself into a different culture and live there for a while I still can do that where I'm where I'm at like wherever I'm at you'll see me and you'll see my kids and you'll see my family and you'll ask questions and I'll be able to explain what God is doing through us that way. I feel like living in America it's impossible not to come out of your own culture. Like when you be, when you become an adult, you may be able to be raised in a bubble, but when you become an adult and go out and find a job, it's impossible for you not to be exposed to someone from a different culture, different way of thinking. And maybe that's, um, you know, I haven't been to every other culture, every other country in the world, but I've noticed that America is very unique with that. Where like, it really is a melting pot. You can meet anyone from any background anywhere pretty much and you're going to be faced with the part of yourself that only knows how to interact with people of your own culture and until you can until you can get over that part of yourself which is just pride at the end of the day until you can get over your own pride you're not going to be exposed to people who can really teach you something from a different angle and point of view and you're the one that's losing in that case Thank you so much for listening. We put out new episodes every Wednesday. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss a beat.